Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for this week's Know Your Foe for the wild card game against the Cincinnati Bengals. We have one of our favorites, Mike Santagata. Did I get that right? He nailed it. 
All right. Very good. Uh, one of the most difficult to pronounce names in all of the podcasting community for the AFC North, at least. So, but really uh, appreciate you coming on, Mike. Uh, obviously, the Ravens got some really bad news today with the uh, Lamar Jackson not being at practice. And, uh, you know, three other quarterbacks are, but not Lamar. Uh, how are how the Cincinnati fans feeling about that? I mean, they they have to feel pretty good because to me, if Lamar played, this was a game. This is like a – I would predict a close game. I'd mm-hmm. probably predict a Bengals win just being – on the other side, but I wouldn't be surprised at a Ravens win with it's Brown or somebody, even Huntley, I'd probably be a little bit more surprised if the Ravens pull it out. Not to say they can't because we'll get to it. That defense was awesome yeah. <laughs> in the game. So they did play well, Mike, I've, I've uh, skipped a couple of steps here, but uh, where do folks find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Bengals underscore Sans, S-A-N-S. And you're writing online anywhere else you write for? All uh, Sports Illustrated's All Bengals, which you can search my name or you can just find it from my Twitter. I keep it linked. All right. You folks will get an idea of just how good he is and how you should definitely follow by the end of the show. I will give you another chance to know that. I need a shout out our sponsor, Liquid Death, the water that will brutally murder your thirst. Uh, Please give their product a try. They've been very good to us. Uh, The Lime Seltzer uh, is a recommended product here. Uh, Mike, let's talk about key injuries to start with. We don't have to talk about the Ravens key injuries. I think the Ravens fans are fairly aware of that, but tell us about how the Bengals are right now. Obviously Alex Kappa went down in that game. That's a pretty key injury. It really sounds like he's not playing. I mean, he was carted off and then on the scooter. And then you get the news from Zach Taylor. So it's gonna be a really uphill battle for him <laughs> to play. So I, I assume so, but at least they had to inform us. Law Collins, if you didn't know, didn't play that game. He's, been hurt he tore his acl against new england i think he's been in his place we'll get to that um and the one that is interesting although i think he plays is t higgins had a hip pointer and then he mispracticed this uh today wednesday january 11th with uh an illness but they didn't list the hip so i don't know if that's just listing one thing and not the other or whatever but i was keeping an eye on that because he did it, they did say he had a hip pointer. I think it was Dave Lapham. Interesting. Interesting. So that's one. I, I have some want to talk some scheme things with you about this. And I did have wondered about the Bengals ability to put 10 personnel on the field. This seems like it would pretty significantly impair that if if uh, Higgins is not available. Yeah, um, definitely. I don't think they're going to try to put Trent Irwin or Stanley Morgan force them onto the field if they don't have to. Trent Irwin, they like. So mm-hmm. they, you could see that. But yeah, I, I see them. We'll, we'll get there. Okay. Well, uh, well, let's. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this. And, and our main focus since we've just had a Bengals game is what's different or what might be different from week 18. And there are a lot of things about the Ravens, um, what they will present in this game that will be different. But I'm really trying to look, focus mainly on the Bengals and maybe interject with a few questions about. You know what happens if the Ravens do this instead of what they did last week. So we'll do a little bit of little bit of that as we go. One thing we saw from Joe Burrow though, out of both games, is a guy who threw the outside a lot. He has one of the shortest time to throw numbers in the entire NFL. It might be the fourth shortest, might be the second shortest behind Brady, and I forget where he is exactly for the season. Um, I thought in the, in at least in this game, the the exhibition game before the playoffs, that um, they were fairly effective stopping the Bengals screens and quick outs. Yeah, definitely. And actually, um, 
that kind of surprised me how often they did it. I think it was all pretty much to set up that fake screen go that Burrow missed. But yeah, he, he threw outside a lot and not just on those concepts, other concepts too. He's throwing, it seemed like they were trying to attack the outside, uh, Worley specifically yes. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they find that matchup and they really like it. So they're going to keep going at it because they've got those guys on the outside. Um, but what I was interested in was it felt like since week six through 10, they were doing a much better job of attacking the middle of the field and running concepts to attack the middle of the field. And it felt like they kind of didn't even run those. Um, you think of just high lows, just little high lows in the middle of the field. When I look back at the Buffalo game, which there's not much there, but uh, they score a touchdown post middle of the field. They scored uh, – he was four, four, five, and five. And I want to say every throw, I believe, was inside the numbers. They didn't make a single throw mm-hmm. outside the numbers in that game, which was – somewhat significant to me because I think of Buffalo as a quarters team and the Ravens like to get into that too. Mm-hmm. That definitely true. Um, didn't they go deep middle early on where Worley had some catch up speed actually to make the PD on the play, but, but Marcus Williams was also back there. I'm trying to think of exactly where that was relative to say the hash marks, but it seems to me it might've been approximately at the right hash or maybe a, maybe a little further over, but I, would have said middle of the field on that play. So maybe they did take. Yes, they, they took, not to say they didn't attack the middle of the field at all, but they've mm-hmm. been more specifically attacking that rather than the outsides ever since it feels like teams really studied them in the off season and want mm-hmm. to take away the outsides and deep over the top. Um, yeah, that play, that was pretty much middle, I think middle. It was a post route mm-hmm. again, and Burrow didn't get everything on it because uh, I don't remember who it was for the Ravens, but Got a lot of pressure, couldn't fully step into that. So it was a little underthrown and yeah, good catch up speed and be able to make a play on the ball too. So yeah. they, they attack middle of the field, but I expect more intermediate, shallow middle of the field targets. I think they kind of held back a little bit, which is what the coaches and players have kind of implied as well. There's some scheme hold back there. Yes, I think yeah. it, it seemed to me the, the weird thing is that they kind of ran the passing offense that they had in week five and it's been much different since then. I'm sure the Ravens will see that stuff on tape in the past eight weeks or so, but maybe just not giving them the live reps of what they have tried to make their staple concepts lately. Yeah, it's that's interesting because it definitely looked a lot like that week five game in terms of passing to the outside. And I thought, well, a lot of that's probably Burrow himself getting rid of the ball quickly and a perceived weakness against middle screens. And they were Roquan Smith hadn't arrived yet uh, for the first matchup. So he's been a, obviously a fairly big addition since then. And, and, uh, uh, that could, that could have something to do with it in terms of what was happening, but, uh, uh, interesting. Um, let's talk about what else you might see. So you you, you think the, the Bengals might attack the middle of the field more in this game? I think so. Um, what else is definitely different is that might've been the second worst game that Burroughs played in terms of accuracy mm-hmm. and just missing hit some of his pressure, but he also just missed just flat out missed the fake screen go. He missed another Uh, he missed quite a few shots and then he made a few bad reads. And this is all just very uncharacteristic of what I think of with Joe Burrow, where he wins by being uncanny accurate and being able to pretty much always make the, at least a good read, if not the perfect read. Okay. Uh, He was much more elusive in the pocket this game than I have ever remembered him being. I mean, I've I've seen him run out of trouble. It's, It's interesting. The two sacks, the sack fumble, very similar to one, 
might have been in Queen's rookie year where he got him from behind. It's kind of the same mm-hmm. thing. Went to six o'clock, walked to six o'clock, came back into the play as Burrow scrambled. And it seems like the one place where you can get Burrow not protecting the football. Maybe that's true of all quarterbacks. It's a nice hit from behind. Especially, I think both of them, he was running away. So yeah. not even just he could feel that pressure or hear it, but he's running the opposite way. So can't feel it, can't hear it. Guy comes on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. You mentioned mentioned going after Worley, which is a big deal. Um, Worley, I, I thought he. You may see your coworkers cracking open a can in your 9 a.m. stand up meeting, but it's most likely not beer. It's a new mountain spring water called liquid death. You've heard me talk about this many times. Why is it called liquid death? Well, because it'll brutally murder your thirst. Plus, it's infinitely recyclable. Tallboy cans are helping to be a, bring a death to plastic bottles. Did you know plastic's not even really recyclable anymore? It ends up just going to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Meanwhile, aluminum is recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities. You guys know how much I love Liquid Death. It's in everything I do. I take it to work. I take it to the ball club. I take it when I'm out with the kids. I got them here on my camp, on my desk because I'm recording a podcast. I'm always with it. What's cool now is I'm seeing you guys on Twitter talk about how you're grabbing your cans and going to work. So send me those stories about what you're doing and how you're cracking open a tall boy in odd situations because, hey, it's water. And not only is it water, it's the best water that you can go out there and buy. It's cold. You can drink it with whatever you're doing. So go on out there, get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool by going to liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study held up about as well as can be expected he's an nfl veteran by the way people act like he's been on a practice squad forever he's been on the ravens practice squad he's they've had some absurd number of transactions involving him to try and keep him around this year so it's like 15 or something where he's been elevated for practice squad sent back down cut re-signed to the 53 as soon as there's some sort of injury I and mean, he's been back on any number of times he had two really bad plays, which both of them got missed by the Bengals. One was, I think you're talking about the screen and go where he fell down on the left side. Yes. And yeah, that's, that's the play. And then the other was the ball that went right through Chase's hands on the right side of the end zone. Uh, that it, Worley never found the football. His hand is up like, so I'm yeah. demonstrating. But <laughs> but uh, but the ball went past his uh, past his arm and appeared to be just a drop by Chase in that case. And this that's what brings up one of the interesting points I have is that the, it's not just the Ravens who kind of underplayed in some ways and did some things that that, that scheme-wise that they're, they have more in the tank, I hope, than what they had and certainly had the more players available. But but the Bengals missed some big opportunities in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I mean, it makes sense because they just had that emotional Monday night, everything that happened there, they're on the same field, and it's only been six days since that incident. And I think it re- if I'm going to give anybody the benefit of the doubt, I think T. Higgins, he had a really bad game, but – you could see maybe why is just he was the one involved in the tackle and everything. So I think that does part of it. They all wanted to get back out there and shake off some of the rust, some of the feelings of taking that first hit. I feel like that's a huge thing when you see something like that is just taking that first hit and knowing you're going to be okay, that type of thing. So I, I give some of it like, that's, that that's probably because of what happened and what just occurred with them, but also they just didn't play well. And uh, I, you can make the excuses, but all these guys, Chase had the drop, Higgins had a few drops, Burrow was inaccurate. It felt the left side of the offensive line 
played well under their standard and that it's just uh quite a few guys quite a few guys didn't seem to on the offense at least play up to their standards and that's something that they left meat on the bone okay well, let's move on to that offensive line for a second because that's obviously a topic of interest um you mentioned the guys on the left but t- tell us across now who are we expect to see at, at right guard we see mr mr blocking at the bench is going to be at at right guard Car- jackson carmen no, Carmen, I think, is the extra offensive lineman. And uh, they actually made that mistake on the broadcast where they said he came in and it was actually Max Sharping. It was a waiver claim. And okay. And, and he would be right. the guy who would step up in, in at right guard? Yep. They put him in there right after the injury. It was the broadcast. I think it was, um, what, can't remember, Kevin Harlan got confused. They ran an extra offensive line play right after the mm-hmm. injury. So he sees Carmen. He just says, Carmen's in there. And, but it was Sharping in there, and Carmen was outside of the tackle gotcha. as the extra offensive lineman. So Sharping played pretty much every snap after the injury, and I would fully expect him to take over that right guard spot in this game. Okay, interesting. Yeah, Carmen, a second-round pick, third-round pick last year? Yeah, he's been a healthy scratch until the uh, Law Collins injury, though. Okay, so a pick didn't work out, or what's where, where are we on that now? Yeah, I mean, he had the inside track to the job again this year and lost it to a late fourth-round rookie from North Dakota State. They don't seem very happy with him. I would not be surprised if he's cut after this season. Interesting, interesting. There's a lot of that going around the league, honestly, with with bad offensive line picks. But uh, uh, Ben Cleveland would be the Ravens guy. And and it's not necessarily a terrible pick or anything, but but they just expected more out of him. I thought he was the second-best guard in the entire draft, and he's – Look ponderously slow. I don't know if you watch the Ravens' offensive line play in this game, but very slow. Uh, go across the line though and tell us, you know, who's who's uh, who's there, who's not. Jonah Williams is will be at left tackle, right? Yep, Jonah Williams will be at left tackle. Extremely inconsistent across those two games. Thought he played really well in Week Five, and he was one of the worst members of the offensive line in Week Eighteen there. So, what? Which one do you get? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, Cordell Volson, he's a late fourth round rookie from North Dakota State. He's been the left guard all season. Played fine. He's played above like a late fourth round pick probably should, but I wouldn't consider him to be really like a, a positive force on the offensive line. More like a, if he's the um, the fifth of the fifth member, he's doing a pretty good job. He's, he's playing fine out there. Ted Karras at center. He's done a good job, I believe, in uh, at the pivot coming from New England. And then, like I mentioned, Max Sharping at right guard, and it'll be Hakeem Adenogy again at right tackle. And he he was a right guard for them on that playoff run last year and wasn't very good, but it he seems to be doing pretty solid at right tackle. I was kind of surprised they threw him back out there and you kind of get the name recognition of what you went through before. And then so far this year, just one and a half games, the Ravens game and half the Patriots game looked pretty solid to me. Yeah, he, he had the holding penalty on Urban that yeah. stalled the one drive. But uh, yeah, but I would agree. I mean, he does. He he actually looks like he could be a tackle. He's he's he yeah stands up straight and all those things <laughs> you expect <laughs> out of the position. Uh, how about the uh, we move on to the wide receivers? Obviously, the Bengals primarily an eleven personnel team for the whole team. Can you give me an idea of like what percentage of eleven they played the whole season? Oh man, it's got to be like eighty something percent. They they are one of the leaders in the league at 11 personnel. Like they, that's the main thing. If you think about the Sean McVay, Zach Taylor connection there, that's the main thing he's kept in this offense is just the belief in 11 personnel. And it makes sense when you think of the wide receivers that they have. They like to run out of it. They like to pass out of it and everything. Okay. 
All right. I mean, obviously, you know, it, it is a choice you make. And the, the, the problem that I would have had is the Ravens don't have, frankly, they don't have more than one cornerback right now that they really trust, trust with, with Marlon Humphrey. Uh, Worley, I thought, you know, as well as could be hoped for, you know, for your fifth or sixth cornerback on the roster, but that's who they're down to. Brandon Stevens, ill today, or sorry, was ill and returned from a Cincinnati hospital, might have been today. Um, and so that's not, that is not a good thing. Um, and obviously then they have uh, Marcus Peters who might or might not be back. And I did not hear the injury status on him today. So I'll have to look at that. Um, and, and then it might be Worley again. And then the slot corner of course is already Kyle Hamilton, who is doing an unbelievable job for who he is, but it's still not really fit for that position. He's not really a, a good fit. If you want to, uh, run verticals or, you know, do a lot of things against that. He's a good tackler, um, you know, good press guy. He'd give Hayden Hurst a, a a lot of trouble from that spot, oh, yeah. but but he he's not a he's not your ideal guy to 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 cover a slot receiver, and that's why one of the things I was thinking was that this would be a game that the the Bengals, if they had it in their arsenal, would bring out a lot of ten personnel and force the Ravens to go even deeper into their cornerback group. They got to some of that against the Patriots. It was up and down. Um, they definitely run it more this year than they did last year. I think they like Trent Irwin. He did. He really stepped up when Jamar Chase went out as a viable receiver, catching back shoulder balls, touchdowns, whatever. So you could see it. I, I don't think you'll see that much of it. They really just believe in that 11 personnel. Um, I didn't think they got to all that much 12 personnel in this game, and that's probably their second most common personnel grouping. So to get the second tight end, whether that's Asi Asi or um, – Blanking on Wilcox. Yes, Mitchell Wilcox. Thank you so much. Uh, whether it's Mitchell Wilcox or Devin Asiasi, I I think if you're going to see a different in, difference in personnel, it could be a little bit more twelve. But I wouldn't be surprised if they try to run some ten personnel. Trent and Irwin, with as much as they like to go empty, as much as they like to be spread out, it makes sense, and we'll it's, see. It certainly you know would eat at the Ravens in terms of what they what they could do. Um, all, all the wide receivers, as far as you know, with the exception of uh, Higgins, a full go at this point? Yes, all of them are full go except T. Higgins, who I think plays, but definitely is a little bit banged up. Okay. Uh, so Hayden Hurst, frequent target in week 18, not particularly successful with five targets. Five targets for 14, five targets for 18. I don't remember which it was, but obviously neither of those is good. Should Do you think we'll see more or less of tight ends in this game? Do you, th- you, you mentioned some 12. Looks like they played about 76 tight end snaps on 68 snaps this last game. So right around 1.15, we'll call it. Do you think we'll see more tight ends per play or less tight ends per play in this one? Maybe slightly more. Um, I do think Hurst is still going to be involved. He averages about five and a half targets a game if you remove the game he got injured. So probably going to get a similar distribution there. But if it is ineffective, again, I could see them also going away from it. I just think they do believe in him as a credible receiving threat and a security blanket for Burrow. So we'll see. He didn't play all that well in the in the matchup, but he wasn't the only one. Yeah, he, he did have a big catch that got him set up for, I think it might have been their first touchdown, a little 12-yard throw over Hamilton, which is one of the it's one of the kind of ones that I'd, I'd worry about. Um, just, it's it's there is there's some value in having Hamilton be a Derwin James type player who can come up the line of scrimmage and do a lot of different things for you. And if he's the strong safety, then he's kind of free to do that. If he's the slot corner, there's too many primary responsibilities in being the slot corner for you to 
you know, be rushing the passer on a lot of downs and, and certainly to, to, to deal with the linearity of the speed that can come out of that position. Uh, let's, let's, uh, go on to the running backs, Mixon and P Ryan. Uh, they've certainly been effective against the Ravens in the past. What happened in this game? I think the Ravens did a really good job against the run game is the first thing that happened. Um, but in week five, the run game was pretty efficient, but they didn't get the volume. Uh, I think Mixon was up around five yards per carry. The, uh, expected points added per rush was up there as one of the best games they've had, but they just didn't stick to it. It could just be that they did such a good job containing the run that they kind of get away from it because you think you have the quarterback, you've got the wide receivers to attack them through the air. But unless it's been monster efficiency where Mixon had that 154 yard, four touchdown performance against Carolina on seven yards per carry, they kind of like the wide receivers and quarterback too much to fully Hmm. stick to the run. I mean, I was, I was just going to get to this as the next question is how do you really explain what happened in that game? It's, It's a little odd that, Joe Burrow is you lose him. It's as bad as losing Lamar Jackson in terms of, of uh, the Bengals chance to win the game. Uh, If, if he threw the ball, what 42 times or something took six quarterback hits in this game might've been 40. I might be slightly off, but that's the range. Uh, And it just seemed really odd to me that you would take that much of a chance. You have good running backs. They've been running backs that have had a chance. I've done some good things against the Ravens in the past. You have basically a need just to burn the clock. I think from about the middle of the second quarter, the chance of the Ravens scoring 17 points in the entire game to catch the Bengals, incredibly low with Anthony Brown. So I'm not saying first downs completely don't matter, but they almost don't matter at that point. Yeah. um, man, Uh, They just think it it would be a better chance to attack down the field and create these first downs. But to me, I agree that it was too much. I I thought you got out to that lead. That's kind of the point of facing the third string quarterback. You got to the lead. You could run the ball, just celebrate (laughs) basically. Uh, But they were throwing the ball. It felt like the Kappa injury is actually what stopped them from throwing the ball. Cause that was a, a deep pass attempt incomplete. And he got injured because they took a deep drop and, guy falls into his leg. And I think that kind of just might've been the wake up of like, okay, we got to, you know, let's wrap this up because we need to get these guys ready for next week too. We can't lose bodies. And yeah, you lose Burrow in that game. There'd be a lot more scrutiny. It didn't feel like there was that much because they were very much trying to win that game and play it as a real game, real chance that the coin toss, everything like that. It felt like they were very Mm -hmm. slighted by the whole coin toss thing. Uh, So I personally, I would have probably just lead another run, even if it was inefficient, but it felt like they wanted to attack through the air and put some more points up on the board. Your go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus all new and existing customers can get a no sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Download the DraftKings Sportsback app and use the code FILM. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code FILM. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgambling.com help.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER, 21 plus. Physically present in Maryland, bonus bonus issued as free bets. 
one free bet issued based on amount of initial losing NFL bet up to $10. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash MD for full terms and conditions. Okay. It's, it's, uh, it was just, it was weird for me to see. We, I guess Burrow took, in my estimation, one really hard hit during that game uh, where he kind of, his shoulder and head went down on the ground in a, in a way that I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have been happy with if I was a Bengals fan. That's for certainly. Uh, let's say Worley is not playing in, in the wild card game. Who would you expect to be the primary target for Burrow? How, where do you think they'll, it's not just about your own players. It's up. It's about who they're going to exploit. Where would you expect to be going most of the time? I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they still attack down the field against any corner. They, they are not shy. They attacked Jalen Ramsey in the Super Bowl. They attacked uh, Carlton Davis, who was having a good game in the Tampa Bay game. They attacked these guys down the field because they trust them. The touchdown against the Bills came against Tredavious White. They, they're they not afraid of going after these guys, although if they find a weakness, they do kind of fixate on that. So if we're at least not on the field, I could see them trying to go down the field. I assume that means Peters plays. They might go, go after Peters down the field. They trust Chase against anybody, so they could go after Humphrey. Um, what I'd find interesting is whether or not they're going to try to attack the middle of the field, like I mentioned, and try to go after Queen and maybe Smith a little bit in coverage. Who Smith's definitely, I think, playing up to a standard where you probably wouldn't try to just attack him over and over during a game. But Queen kind of has that feel to it. Like, if you can manage it, then you can isolate him in space. Also the Ravens like to drop those ends out. Sometimes if you could figure that out and know when somebody's dropping, who's dropping, if you could attack that guy in space, that'd be something to do, but I could see them go after any corner. And if it was me and trying to predict what the thing going to do, high lowing Patrick queen over the middle of the field is something I would probably try to get to. That, that makes complete sense. And uh, obviously Ravens fans have not been happy with Patrick Queen as a coverage guy, though he's improved in a number of other areas this year in particular in year three, finally um, it's, it's really uh, that's, that's his, that's his Achilles. Let's switch it over to the defense here. Um, uh, at this point, obviously it appears Jackson is not going to be playing. Uh, do you think the Bengals will do anything different than they did this last week? against Anthony Brown if he's a quarterback again. And I, I really believe it'll be Brown, but, uh, uh, you know, as we said earlier. Yeah, um, not probably not too much. I thought they showed their hand defensively for the most part. They got to a lot of the stuff they like to do, even some of the exotic pressures and uh, twists and things that they like to do, three-man games. Maybe you see a little bit more pressure thrown his way in key situations or in big moments because you don't – I don't think they blitzed him that often, and they – they're not afraid to blitz Lamar Jackson. I don't see why they'd be afraid to blitz Anthony Brown. So you might see a little bit more cover zero man blitzes type type of that type of stuff. But I think for the most part, you'll probably get a similar game plan. They're going to try to play good coverage and stop the run game and make him throw. Yeah. Um, Hendrickson and Osai in particular were, were really effective out of RDE. I cannot believe after watching that game, I literally cannot believe that Trey Hendrickson played only 18 snaps. <laughs> Two I, I, sacks, four it, quarterback hits, I think. Incredibly dominant uh, in, in the game. And obviously he's giving Stanley all this trouble. Uh, something might be wrong additionally with Stanley. He's, he's not going to be ready to go again until next year in terms of, of what's going on. He had one of his worst games of the season uh, in this one. But yeah. uh, Osai also had a terrific game. Yeah, he's flashed. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. When Hendrickson missed a few games – because. 
I don't know if you know Henderson's playing with a broken wrist right now. <laughs> he missed a couple games it's because not good. of that. <laughs> <laughs> he's I guess just painkillers and mm-hmm. grit to fight through that. He's still smashing people with it. I don't know. It's not in a club. It's in a little brace. So he talked to doctors, said it can't get worse, basically. So he said, I'll be out there and went out there and he's done really well, as we saw. Uh, That's why I think he also got that rest is he only played 18 snaps because they were just saying, like, your wrist is broken. Why don't you take a few plays off? Let Osai get in there. So, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if Hendrickson plays quite a bit more. I think they like Osai on the inside as well, although I think Osai is better when he's outside. They like to rush him inside sometimes and mixed bag there. Uh, he's, but, he has the quickness to do some twisting though too, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, they, they've gotten him a few times on those twists and either with Hendrickson or even with the linebackers sometimes when they get those linebackers mugged up in there. So the, they both played really well in this game, like you mentioned. Um Hendrickson specifically was just, I mean, outstanding to do that on 18 snaps. That's, I know he's, they're picking some spots to, you know, pass rush, but still mm-hmm. just incredible. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's something obviously the Ravens would need to get cleaned up. The other guy who, who I thought had a very good game definitely was giving really all three interior offensive linemen trouble was DJ Reader. And obviously he's had a great year. Ravens happened to miss him, I believe, in week five. I don't think he played in that game. No. But but he's back for this one. And what did you see? Oh, I mean, it's it's basically every week he's doing this to the run games. So I thought the Ravens actually, they gave him a little bit of a fight. I will say Linderbaum had a few reps where I think he just flat out won. But overall, I do think Reader won the whole won it as a whole and won the battle over Linderbaum eventually. But I, I like Linderbaum a lot in the draft, so maybe that's me being a little soft with him. But, uh, yeah, they, he's pretty rangy for a nose tackle. You run, like, those outside zone type concepts. He can get out there. As Derrick Henry found out in the divisional round, it felt like they kept trying to do that to get away from him, and he would just get over top of the reach block and make it at least first contact in the backfield. Does a really good job against his those double teams um there's one in this game where he splits it down on a knee and then still makes the first contact with the running back after splitting the double team from his knees which Mm -hmm. to me is incredible (laughs) yeah i don't see too many guys doing that type of stuff but yeah he did he did a heck of a job that's what he does basically every week but i do think that the ravens they give him a fight they give him they give him a good fight i i i think uh if you're going to try to deal with him and try to take him out of the game, it's a lot of jet sweeps type stuff. It's a lot of toss plays. It's just getting outside quick. That outside zone play takes a little bit of time to develop any of those right. zone plays. So if you're going to hit the outside and the perimeter quick, I think that's a way you can kind of take him out of the game because he's head up over the center most of the time. But it's tough. You can't just run outside. You got to try to run up the middle at times. The, the Ravens have – okay, their, their zone scheme – is such that they have five guys of highly unequal speed. And, <laughs> and uh, I will just say that, that the, the, the players do not always really sync up in terms of, of what they're doing as they're moving left to right, which means you can't always uh, guard properly against a gap getting penetrated. And then obviously the, the, the choice of lanes being heavily bifurcated uh, and, and in a way that, that, that's, that doesn't help. But the reader would be obviously a guy that would take advantage of that because you got you got big guys and you got small guys, you got quick guys, you got slow guys and, you know, big and slow and small and quick don't always work perfectly together in a zone scheme. Yeah, I think of uh, probably I think there are a few plays Linderbaum is moving at 
2x speed compared to the, yeah. <laughs> the guard next yeah, that, to him. That, that would be what it would be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it, it can, it, it, lots, lots of things obviously can happen with that that are, that are not good. On the other end, I did want to talk about, about Hubbard for a second because obviously he's been a Ravens killer in the past. Uh, in general, I think of him as being a, you know, a, a long time guy. The previous guy, Dunlap, uh, who was over there was it was another Ravens killer, but the, the Bengals four man pass rush always been a thorn in the Ravens side. But, but Hubbard, um, he he really pissed off the Ravens left guard in the game, Ben Powers, when he pulled on a play and he went down to his knee to look like a cut block, a very dirty play, by the way. It's a funny thing we, we're coming out of this with all the talk of dirtiness on e- on either side. I'm not trying to stir a pot here. That's not what we do, but. Uh, Powers really upset with that, and he, he he's played. He ended up playing every snap the entire season, having a very good year, and you know he's he's coming up for a contract too, I think, and and that was not a uh, a a good time to be cut blocked on the pull. Yeah, uh, the Bengals had something similar. I, I wouldn't call it a dirty play. I think the Cam Sample misread it, uh, didn't try to take it on as a cut block, but yeah, he took a cut block to his leg too, and it was just I, I saw both those, and I was kind of went, oh man, unfortunate. Um, yeah. Hubbard, usually you're not cutting as the as a 260, 270 pound edge rusher, so mm. a little bit weirder there. But um, I haven't seen it too often, so I'm going to give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt. But that play in particular, I could definitely see the argument for that was uh, not good. Yeah, it's 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 not as if I haven't seen that from Terrell Suggs either. When Terrell Suggs would have two pulling <laughs> players coming with no thing, I mean, he would he would play the phony trip game and, so, and sometimes take them both out of the play, which was uh, good. So we, we, we all like it when our own players do it anyway. So that's just the way it goes. <laughs> right. Uh, the Bengals uh, mixed up their, their pass rush pretty effectively. I thought in this game, I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but they rushed from three to six. Um, they, they played a very, you know, some variety of games and they put some guys from off ball. Uh, I don't, I don't really recall. No, there were definitely some, there were definitely some, uh, simulated pressures in this game as well, which makes sense. Um, I think of a simulated pressure as mostly something you do to fool the offensive line. I guess it can also fool a quarterback, but but it's it's a lot of times the offensive line is the one that has trouble blocking the right people on a simulated pressure. Yeah, especially uh, you do combine it with the quarterbacks kind of setting protections. And if it's a different quarterback, maybe you want to throw those in. I don't know how often Lamar sets the protections or anything, but uh, yeah, they, they'll get to it. It's not it's not a staple for them, but they, they'll mix it in there as just like a, a little change up type thing where they bring all those guys up to the line of scrimmage and they're going to drop some guys out and rush four from somewhere. Yeah. I do also think of it as an offensive line thing though. You know, if you can get a specific call you like and rush off the opposite side, that's great. I wanted to say they had a three, four in this game. It was the second pass of the game, a pass right for five on third and 10 very first drive. Um, they had seven guys in the line of scrimmage and dropped four of them. So it's very, very unusual. Or let me, let me put that differently because I, I do record it a certain way. Somebody might have blitzed from off the line of scrimmage to be the third, but they had four guys drop from the line of scrimmage. That's the most I ever see dropped by the Ravens is four. Um, so it's it's a unusual kind of a thing when I notice it on, for, for an opponent doing it. Bengals actually get to that a bit though. They, they uh, I believe they lead the league in three man rushes and it never feels like too much. Uh, I think uh, defensive coordinator Lou Anaruma does a really good job getting into that drop eight type stuff, getting the extra guy in the window. And it just never feels like the quarterback has all day. 
the strip sack was a three man rush. Yeah. I was when I watched that back, I was like, oh, oh my goodness, and that was a weird play. They put Sam Hubbard at the Mike linebacker. You're expecting something where he's going to come, and he just kind of sits there, and he kind of wasted a guard on that side that could have been helping on Hendrickson. Yeah, Hendrickson certainly was a was a monster in this one. Jesse Bates, another guy who's been a Ravens killer over the year. Um, you, you you see a play like the the one he made on the on the first interception. Just it's it's very Reed esque in terms of being a very being comfortable, being a very loose bracket player. And he he was must have been like six eight yards behind the receiver in that case, but he could see there was a chance of an overthrow. And that's a great place from which to adjust from an overthrow and certainly came right up, make the play. And uh, it just reminded me a lot of Ed in that, in that sense. He is still unsigned, right? Yeah, this, he's playing on the franchise tag. This will be more than likely his last ride. I think uh, both sides have come to the agreement. They drafted a safety in the first round. It's actually Von Bell's uh, contract year as well. I think mm. there's a better chance Bell could be in stripes again next year, but Bates, I think, is out of their price range for what they want to pay him, considering they have Higgins, Burrow, Chase, all these guys coming up. Okay, so Dax Hill, who's still not getting a lot of snaps, right? He played some five, five, six snaps in this game? Yeah, he's a third safety dime package type. Throw him in there on obvious passing downs and try to do something with it. They like to put him on tight end sometimes, and he got beat by, um, I believe that was, I think it was Kohler. I, I'm not sure, though. Uh, Kolar likely had to be one of those two. Honestly. Yeah, one of those two. Uh, but he was in man coverage against him and lost the tight end. I didn't think they did a great job covering the tight ends in this game. But yeah, he's. Uh, it's hard to tell how his rookie year's gone because he's not really playing safety because both the two safeties they have, they trust, they really like, and they're good players, and they haven't gotten hurt. They've been very healthy all year. And Mike Hilton's been in the slot, and that was another place I know during the draft I thought Dax Hill could fit would be as a as a slot corner yeah he he filled in for uh hilton in one game but that was against the tampa bay buccaneers i'm going to try to not think too much about uh playing not that great against mike evans and chris godwin uh i did notice that that the second linebacker pratt took only 12 snaps off the field is it logan wilson does he have the green dot or is it bates or who is it wilson has a green dot wilson okay so he plays every snap and Pratt was in there for all but 12 snaps. So they're there. I mean, that's pretty close to being a committed nickel team, but the, the Bengals still go to some dime back at, at the weak side spot. Yeah. That's usually when Pratt will come off the field is if they are going to get into a, some type of dime look three safety look, or if they want to bring uh Trey flowers, who they think of as a guy who can match up with tight ends. Cause he's so big and long. Uh, if they want to bring him on the field, they'll pull Pratt off. Usually like a third and long situation where they just value those other bodies in that position more. All right. All right. Um, talk to me a little bit about who maybe is vulnerable in the secondary. I think of uh, Cam Taylor Britt as a little bit vulnerable, second round rookie. He hasn't played poorly or anything, but you can see the ball skills. Um, Sammy Watkins took advantage of that a few times, which he's just not yet there with locating the ball as it's coming in, knowing it's coming when he's, you know, out of phase and trying to make a play on it. He's lost a few of these. Uh, Made a breakup on Donovan Peoples-Jones, but didn't make the breakup on Terrace Marshall. And a few other guys have been able to get over the top of him or be able to make that back shoulder type catch where he just doesn't have the anticipation that the ball is coming quite yet. So I think he's probably the most vulnerable in the secondary, especially if you can get him 
in like a split field look or if Bell is single high and you get him on the Bell side where Bell isn't as rangy as Bates to be able to cover up for that. So if you could attack a side of just Bell and Cam Taylor Britt, that's where I'd go through the air. I also think if I, if you could attack Bell through the air by, you know, going at Cam Taylor Britt, if you could single Bell up as well, I think he's not the best in space type player. So uh, he's more of a traditional box safety, although he could, he's not bad at playing deep. He's just, that's not where I would prefer him. And I think he has been exploited a little bit there in his history. Now, this is an interesting point where we're bringing it. You're bringing to light here is this is not a, a quarterback. Now, if Brown plays who forces the other team into zone defense regularly. So the, the, obviously the thought with Jackson is you need to act all eyes on Jackson all the time. So you want to be in zone defense, but Anthony Brown has really nothing as a runner we've seen to date. Uh, he has he didn't even have a carry in this last game. He had, a, he had a sack for zero and a sack for minus one. Where I think he's trying to run the ball. But uh, it, it, do you see the the Bengals as going to more man concepts in this game, or do you think they'll stay with zone and try and uh, just read the football and take advantage of the interception opportunities? They're more of a zone team that wants to read and try to get those interception opportunities. Although when you look at the Ravens, it's you could man them up because you're you're probably not as nervous about the wide receiver threats and the quarterback isn't going to be able to always take advantage of it either. So maybe you see a little bit more man. I brought up the cover zero. Maybe you see a little bit more of that. So that'll be a man situation. So maybe a little bit more, but I do think it'll be primarily some zone coverage. They like to, they like to do everything because they have such continuity in that secondary. It's Bates, Bell and Hilton and Apple have all been there for the past what two some of them three years. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and, and anything different about how the team will defend the Ravens run game. We saw some really outrageous packages thrown at them by the Steelers. The Steelers went through the jumbo defense, uh, a goal line defense with four down linemen and two outside linebackers, two inside linebackers, only three defensive backs on the very first play from scrimmage. <laughs> and, and they stayed with it for over half of the snaps. Uh, in that game, and and you know, the, obviously, when they see that, they you know, you need to you need to figure out how to adapt and pass against it, or or find some other way to beat it. Um, did not see the Bengals going to any really extreme packages in this game, but maybe you saw more. No, they they played a pretty normal. They they didn't they didn't play uh, any old forty six type defense or anything like that. Uh, they they like to get into their bare fronts, uh, but they do it from like a three four type look or a five two, depending how you're going to classify those guys. Hendrickson and Hubbard usually rush, so you could see five two as designation there. Um, I guess the Ravens more against Lamar. I guess they like to play that four three, which they don't normally do, and they bring Akeem Davis Gaither onto the field with Pratt and Wilson because I think they like to get those guys flowing at the second level on that read stuff but you didn't really see the read stuff with Brown. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much they're going to get to that versus play with they feel more comfortable in with the, the three, four odd front type stuff. So I don't think they'll do anything crazy. I think they've gotten to some of those like jumbo big packages before, but it was against the Titans with Derrick Henry. I don't know if they're as concerned about the Ravens, JK Dobbins run game without Lamar. Right. So I don't I don't foresee it happening, although they have shown that before. Okay, well I I think that certainly makes sense, and uh, yeah, it's it's we're obviously we're extremely frustrated to not have Lamar and just how much that limits this offense. But uh, uh, hopefully, uh, uh, you know, 
this game could be competitive, at least from our perspective. How about one player you think matches up well against the Ravens? No need for score predictions. We don't really do that here ever, even even when there's a chance we'll win. But but uh, uh, one player that matches up well against the Ravens on each side of the ball. I think Trey Henderson. It's hard not to pick him after the last week. Um, the Ronnie Stanley won the league's best, but you know he is coming off that injury. Trey Henderson probably going to get more snaps in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a big impact on the defensive side. On the offensive side, I think it's Jamar Chase, who would have had a big game if he didn't drop that touchdown. He would have had two touchdowns and a huge performance. So I think that I'm kind of going with two of the best players. So it's kind of like a a no-duh type thing. But uh, those are the two guys that I would go with if I was going to pick one on each side for who would match up well with uh, the Ravens here. Okay. Well, that's, that's fine, Mike. Mike, we really appreciate talking football with you. Uh, you're welcome anytime here. I'm certainly going to be hitting you up in the offseason for some AFC North content and looking at the ahead at the Bengals season. But really appreciate you coming on. Tell folks where they can find your work again. Yeah, Twitter at Bengals underscore Sands. I have it linked there. But also check out all Bengals from Sports Illustrated where I do my writing. And if you care to listen to the podcast, if you're a Baltimore fan, uh, it's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson. All right. Outstanding. Mike and other folks out there, uh, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. Love to hear from you. I will get back to you fast. And I've actually got a pretty good stack of these ready to go. Some very interesting franchise building ideas that are typical for the offseason. If you've got more, I want to hear them. Mike, thanks again for coming on. Yep. Thank you for that. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.